Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for yet another episode, which may or may not publish on time, uh, depending on the orders that's come down from GFY headquarters. Um, I am here uh, once again with my good friend Paz, and we are going to talk about uh, everyone's favorite historical figure, Charlemagne. Yes, yes we are. Mr. Charles E. Main. Yes, whom actually I recently just figured out uh, who Charlemagne was. Or well, I mean, I knew who he was, but um, here in the, in the Netherlands, we don't know him as Charlemagne. We know him as Charles the Great. Um, or technically we call him Karel de Grote. Uh, so... I saw some talk on Twitter recently about Charlemagne, and I was like, wait, fuck is this guy? Like, I, I never heard of him. But, oh, wait, it's that guy. So, Yeah, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people tend to refer to him by his, I suppose the most appropriate term would be his French name, but he's really a sort of Gallic figure more than anything. The nation-state concepts of Germany, France, and the lowland nations had hardly been solidified in the time that he was roaming around mm -hmm. on horseback, beating people up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, the amount of clout that man has uh, gathered is quite impressive. Um, I recently uh, came across his golden bust with a piece of his skull in it, as well as a massive golden forearm with a piece of his arm in it, and several very large golden structures with some more pieces of his bones in it, um, approximately 500 years after his death, um, which to me is a sign that, uh, and I said this before in a, in a group chat we're in, that the Catholic ideology is just flexing on the poor, and if it doesn't work, flex harder. Yeah, you know, and he's a real big deal in that regard too. Uh, just the sheer realm size and money that he was able to accumulate brought a lot of prestige with it when he accepted the role as the first Holy Roman Emperor then. And, you know, it was, from a political standpoint, more about granting the Catholic Church a protector from marauding Lombards and increasingly hostile Byzantines and other right. things. But, you know, the Holy Church, as it were, needs a protector if it's going to stay safe on Earth. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Um, so, uh, this is actually a great, uh, what's the word, segue into the actual topic of our conversation. Um, because was Charlemagne actually a Catholic? Or, uh, let's say, did he swear loyalty to uh, the great adversary? The Great Adversary. So, on the question of the religiosity of it, I don't think there's probably too much debate that he probably was a practicing Catholic, though what that meant in his day and age and what it means now are obviously two vastly different questions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, there's good reason to believe that he was baptized and that he was a, a pretty, a relatively pious ruler. And, you know, as far as his work for the great adversary, I think that speaks for itself in his campaign at the time against the still pagan Saxons, 
Mm-hmm. So I, I would say we can probably rule out him being a Satanist or a disciple of the great adversary. Though, as we right. know, the disciples of the great adversary are still out and about today. Yes. Isn't that right? That is correct. Um, and uh, so this is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. Um, because... Uh, we like there's how do I say this? So we we you could distinguish I guess uh, different kinds of Satanists. There's the Church of Satan, which is the edgy um, like atheist organization on Twitter, uh, and they do some real life activism where they. Uh, where they push liberty as hard as they can by pretending they're anti-God. Pretty much. Well, I mean, as far as I understand it, uh, I mean, yes, they're they're actually anti-God on Twitter, uh, but their real life, uh, their their like practical exercises are a bit more interesting, in the sense that they are technically uh, a recognized uh, religious organization. Um, so anytime a church wants to put a statue of some kind somewhere or uh, they apply for some sort of tax break, the Church of Satan applies for the same or also applies for a statue or for tax break uh, to highlight the, uh, in their eyes at least, perceived injustice of religious um Any sort of independent rights for the church and their access to... Escaping yes. state machinery in any way, shape, or form. Because, you yes. know, God forbid the uh, progs and the shitlibs let anyone <laughs> escape without paying their fair share of taxes, right? Yes. And yes. Uh, another tactic of theirs that's been real fun, I think, that actually just came up in the news recently. They developed a holy right of abortion within their church so that they could seek oh, religious right. exemption for people seeking abortions. Yes. And, you know, that's... It's things like that are maneuvers designed exclusively in reaction to and for the purpose of triggering religious conservatives, which, you know, yes. people can take whatever stance about they want. Obviously, it's a matter of a person's social values from person to person. But the yes. Church of Satan itself is literally nothing except anti-Christian reactionism from the political left. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or at least that's um, how it that's how it exists today. That's what it is in this day and age. Yes. Uh and these people are well, relatively harmless. I mean it is very annoying, of course, that they bring everything back under the control of the state. Um but they aren't uh how do I say this? They aren't involved in anything extremely immoral. Uh, anything particularly sickening, um, not of the kind uh, that we are going to discuss today. Uh, because yeah, so these don't yes. seem to be, I think, is an important distinction. Yes, now, yes, that's their, a good point. The way their church and their church apparatus operates, too, as with every church, is distinct, both uh, legally and functionally, from what their members may choose to be. Ah, yes, that is a good point. Mm. So let me put it this way. Um, members of the Church of Satan, while 
by definition Satanists aren't aren't by definition the kind of Satanists we are talking about. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that they're generally not that kind of person um, because they're probably just some anti-religious shitlib, um, which you know, fair enough. Uh, but it's a lot more, lot lot less harmful than uh, the uh, the the child um, raping, sacrificing. Uh, pedophilic shit that uh, the quote-unquote real Satanists get up to. Yes, yeah, and that's where you really start to unravel the ball of string and you start to really get to look at kind of the core matters of things and it becomes yes. significantly more difficult to untangle too because as you and your listeners will come to realize if you don't already, they are by their nature an extremely diffuse group and it's hard to spot this sort of thing until it actually pops up and you catch people in the act. Right. So, you know, so um, um, I'll take my cues from you. I'm not sure where you want to start or how you want to go about this. But. Yeah, I have a rough idea and we'll figure it out along the way. Uh, what I think is wise to do um, is that we... Uh, um, make a clear well I mean we've made the distinction about what the, what kind of Satanist we aren't talking about but what kind of Satanists are we talking about like what is it that these people do what is it that they believe what separates them from uh, edgy shit libs so this is where you get into the real meat and potatoes of the discussion where you start really digesting some of the material. And at this point, it's also useful to distinguish that a lot of times they aren't even necessarily sure themselves what they believe. You know, they have very few, if, you know, if we're to believe the sort of true crime people who stumble upon their work, or if we are to believe what we've even seen from explicitly Satanist crime scenes, there doesn't seem to be a standard formulation of their operations, but rather mm -hmm. it's about things, it's intensively symbolic, right? You know, you talk about the pentagram and you talk about the goat's blood, mm -hmm. and you talk about all these things that seem like memes, but they are memes that keep cropping up as well. So as you well know, the U.S. went through a phase known as the satanic panic Yes. Where everything that was anti-fun mainline um, Protestant basically got accused of <laughs> Satanism from rock yes. music to Dungeons and Dragons to comic books to sex on TV. And mm -hmm. that's all pretty absurd and ridiculous. But it also serves to hide the fact that while this was going on, is also when we saw the rise in both fake instances of satanic ritual abuse on children and from time to f time found real instances of it happening. So mm -hmm. there seems to be a clear common connection both in invoking symbolism from the Christian Satan, and, you know, that is the same Satan being 
that's shared among all the Abrahamic faiths, whether Judaism or Islam as well. You know, they all have that Mm -hmm. same sexual devil figure because it's all derived from the same source materials. Yes, exactly. And so they, they use and they share the symbolism created and appropriated by this being, and they tend to then emphasize physical harm, torture, sexual abuse, and they sort of give this pain and the energy associated with it as an offering, whether directly to Satan or just do it out of sheer mental illness. Right. So I'm not quite sure if that answers the question, but I think that serves the intent to uh, characterize these individuals. They're out here to cause pain as a sort of offering to Satan, whether because they actually believe it or whether because they are deeply, profoundly disturbed individuals. Yes, yes. That's uh, pretty much the the, uh, distinction I was looking for. Um, So... As I understand it, these people aren't really, uh, how do I say, like motivated or well organized within some sort of central church. Uh, it's not like there's, you know, your your satanic church in, I don't know, chapter in Washington and in in New York and in back fuck nowhere, somewhere some little town. Uh, it's just that these people seem to want to uh well make offers to satan because well i mean because they do um that's the next question what is it exactly that these people hope to achieve with this because um christians i would say in general would like to get this is i mean i'm not a christian but i I would think i'm knowledgeable enough of christianity to say that's the general aim yeah well the general aim obviously is again to emulate the work of god to spread his good word and then to eventually move on to the afterlife with him in his kingdom of heaven you know that's that's their end goal as far as the end goal of these individuals it's impossible to say because as you so astutely pointed out there is no central nervous system structure for them and Mm -hmm. actually you know this is where i come out of left field a little bit about the topic it's that sort of diffuse unorganized nature of it that i think makes it all the stranger that they are able to consistently organize and find each other you know it's yes it strikes me as odd, especially in that there are so few clear places for them to organize that they are always somehow able to form cells by the time we hear about them. And some people would continue to ascribe that to moral panic. But knowing what you know about my brand and what your listeners know about my brand, I tend to think mm-hmm. that there might be something more at play. Yes. So as far as their goals... Yes, you know, explicitly stated, some of them, perhaps even most of them, think they are bringing glory to the Dark Lord. And I think it's hard to dispute that the acts they choose to ritualize are, in fact, things that would be glorified by the great adversary, the devil himself. So, 
you know, I think they uh, tell us pretty explicitly what they're trying to do, and they do things that seem consistent with achieving that goal. Yes, that seems that way to me as well. Um, and I want to touch on a point that you made a little bit earlier, which has been on my mind, is that how is it that these uh, Satanists so often find themselves in positions of uh, well, extreme power. Jeffrey Epstein's, the Clintons of this world, the basically the fucking politicians of this world. How is it that so many of them are uh, often involved not only in pedophilia, but also in well, Satanist-associated rituals? Yeah, you know, that's an excellent question. <laughs> Thank you very I, much. Yeah, so it, it gets tricky. And this is, again, the tricky part of trying to talk about what seems to be a diffused network that's coordinated from somewhere else, if it is coordinated at all. Just mm -hmm. how do these people manage to keep getting mixed up with each other? And I think uh, the easy answer seems to be through psychopathy. You know, they have no qualms about hurting or damaging the life and quality of life of others. And so they settle upon these methods to do so together when they encounter each other in the wild. And they find themselves, because they all end up in these places, where you need to have a certain degree of psychopathy, psychopathy, to reach those levels. You know, they talk about which careers are most prone to it. Well, politicians, corporate management, journalism, law enforcement. These are all things mm -hmm. that tend to have weirdly high correlations with this behavior. And if they're congregating there, then you're just going to meet other people inclined to do the same thing. So yes. then at that point, it just becomes a matter of, agreeing upon the symbols and hyping each other up enough to actually do these dark deeds, whether it's right. directly, explicitly through blackmailing each other to have something to hold over each other, or because mm -hmm. they're indulging in dark impulses and other people get swept along with it along the way and more and more people just join in. You know, I think there is an, there can be rather, I don't think it's the primary factor. But there certainly can be an emergent, uh, emergent organization phenomenon at play. Aha. Uh -huh. um, before we get into that, because I want to hear your thoughts about that, um, would it be a good summary to say that um, essentially these positions that you describe, politicians, reporters, police uh, officers, they... Um, they, they tend to select naturally uh, for certain personality traits. Personality traits that are most often uh, and, and mostly held by psychopaths. Um, so essentially you get a bunch of uh, highly immoral people together that don't have, uh, that, that don't have a, a conscience that works the same way as uh, regular individuals. And then uh well from their lack of morality and their positions of power they are wants to do awful things and the 
associated imagery and rituals and beliefs are more of a um, uh, an extra, essentially. Yeah, so if you can use the word innocence, and I don't mm-hmm. think you can, but you know, just as a turn of phrase, that would seem to me the more innocuous explanation again right. is that they just settle on this together and they have no deeper belief or meaning to it. Yes. Now, the thing to understand, I think, a little bit about um, just Christian worldview and well, I'll leave it at that, Christian worldview, is that mm-hmm. there's no reason for a faith practitioner to believe that there isn't also the guiding hand of God and therefore possibly of God's enemies. So, you know, whether or not they're selecting this consciously because they think it'll be a good yuck because they can't, are literally incapable of perceiving morality the same way we are, or whether they're doing it because they've got brain worms from an extra-dimensional demon is, mm-hmm. I think, up for debate, and there's no way to say definitively. That's the point where a lot of people would begin to call me crazy, but, you know, <laughs> I'm fine with that uh, moniker at this point, one way or the other, because I think there's just really no other way to settle the issue that isn't hopelessly tragic in the process. Yes, um, and... Uh, you have posited this uh, theory to me before, and I haven't really dug into it, so I want to hear you out about that a bit more. Um, but before that, you mentioned that um, there is a, a more emerging organizational aspect to this Satanism thing. So, what is this, and do you have any good examples? Well, I think an excellent, well, so I'm going to back up just one second. Mm-hmm. To explain what I mean, it only takes one of these individuals to actually believe that they are communing with a dark force and right. to have sufficient charisma to then recruit the people who are just going along with it. It only takes one person to define the sets and the symbols before everyone else begins adopting them to have access to the originator's power. And, you know, that's basically pretty standard cult theory, actually, you know, at that point. And right. so I think that that is probably at the epicenter of a good portion of it. Um, that sounds about right. And then I just lost my train of thought, too. Could you just repeat the question one more time for me? Um, so you said that there's an emerging um, organizational aspect to this. So what does it look like? What's some examples? Oh, yes, yes. That's what you're asking about. I think uh, good examples, well, th- there's a handful you can point at. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's the example of the Bridgewater Triangle out on the American East Coast, where there was examples of satanic cult activity at the peak of the satanic panic, it would only take one individual to say, hey, I am working for the devil, I do believe this, and then to find or recruit people who are vulnerable and psychologically fragile enough to go along with him, and then commit several murders with him. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got one true believer there, and the rest of it's just going along. Or another example would be an organization like 
talk and complain about a fair bit called the finders, right? Who uh, were yes, I've heard about to, these. Yeah, they were engaged. Probably in, from you. <laughs> probably. But they were engaged in uh, systematic child abuse over God knows how many decades. And, you know, it only takes their finder to get swept up along in things. And all of a sudden he's got branches in two or three states, you know, producing mm -hmm. child porn and posing children with dead and slaughtered goats. And they're doing it to what end? You know, obviously, clearly they were abusing these children that they had, you know, either kidnapped or adopted under false terms and then taken really horrific advantage of. Mm hmm. So that's, I guess what I'm saying is there is the quote-unquote emergent order in that it only takes one person to set symbols and then a yes. couple more to yes. adopt them and all of a sudden you have something that looks pseudo-organized in the making. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, one burning question on my mind is, uh, I think it was around the last election, that uh, Hillary Clinton got wrapped up in, well, one of the many scandals, but one of the, the odd things she was found to be wrapped up in was this whole uh, spirit cooking thing. Uh, is this an example of, uh, like, like essentially satanic symbi uh, fuck me, uh, satanic symbiology? Or is this just weird politicians getting up to weird shit? So there is certainly satanic aspects to it and it right. is fundamentally a cult in its nature and i would be comfortable calling it satanic in that the way these practitioners choose to operate the things they do and the things they claim they think are fundamentally against the church so in that sense they are certainly fulfilling the primary mission goal of bringing honor and glory to satan now, mm -hmm. whether or not they perceive themselves as devil worshippers is, I think, still technically in question, but it's also a point that hardly matters because you don't need to believe in him to be doing his work. Yes. Now, I think that it's also very interesting just how much that was conflated with Pizzagate and then used to poo-poo the entire idea you know at that point mm -hmm. you do have to wonder if it's not just sort of an appeal to the absurd thing to try and run cover for something else that could be going on and so yes. while, while i think many of those types and many of the people who were involved in that specific situation probably see themselves as being too smart for and above these petty things like Christian theology and religion, again, I would offer the counterpoint that it hardly matters whether or not you believe it when you are being a useful idiot to that dark being's ends. Yes. Um, what it somewhat reminds me of, uh, I'm sure you have these in the U.S. as well, but we have some um, uh, predestination uh, groups here uh, in my folks' hometown, especially, uh, whom essentially believe that there's, um, well, any random number, number depending on the group, say 500 people on earth, destined to go to heaven, and the rest is just fucked. It's just like 
set at 500. Kind of reminds me of that. I mean, it's a bit different, of course, but it's um, uh, you you don't need uh, everyone to be on board or everyone to get the ultimate reward that uh, you believe is being offered. Um, so not everyone has to believe that they are getting, well, whatever reward they are, will receive from doing Satan's work. Uh, it just takes, as you said, the one guy believing it, and then the one guy essentially just setting up a cult, uh, and then there you go. Uh, the work is being done. Um, damn, I had a question here. Um, ah, yes. So, um, I mean, my my understanding, of course, of religion is uh, fairly uh, surface level because I'm an atheist and I haven't uh, uh, dived deep into the religious. Uh, philosophy, literature, but well, to kind of to come back, so the the end goal for a Christian would be to go to heaven. What is the exact end goal of a um, uh, of a Satanist? Like, what's the carrot on the stick? Yeah, so I think that many of them who are in a, a sound mind, otherwise, out of sort of the um, implied or assumed psychopathy mm -hmm. is just that they believe there is nothing next so that they should pursue wealth and power and whatever hedonistic instinct they have to its fullest here because there mm -hmm. would be no punishment. Now, for those who choose or opt to, for whatever reason, to believe that they are literally serving a dark lord it would stand to reason to me that they seem to believe that in servicing him, they will gain their power here on earth. And I draw that from my own knowledge and practicing history of right. Christian tradition in that during Jesus Christ's temptation here on earth, he was offered all of the kingdom of men, all of the kingdoms of men rather, if he would just mm -hmm. bow and serve the devil, which of course he did not. Uh -huh. So, you know, it wouldn't strike me as unusual for these people who are drawn to with the explicit purpose of opposing these beliefs for them to think, well, just because he didn't take the offer doesn't mean that the devil wouldn't extend to me a similar offer. And, you know, clearly they're missing the entire point of the allegory there. But, you know, they were always going to. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds to me like these people haven't ever read the, uh, or ever heard the story of the Flying Dutchman. Uh, who was doomed to sail around Cape Good Hope uh, for all eternity. Um, because... Well, from what little I understand from religion, I know that the devil is a, a tricky motherfucker uh, like that. Uh, oh, absolutely. He's got no actual purpose to purpose or intent to reward anyone. You know, he revels in the damnation of souls. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, yes. I'd say if you're going to make deals with the devil, uh, definitely bring a lawyer. Uh, because there might be some terms and conditions that you may want to be aware of beforehand. Um, <laughs> um, man, uh, let's see. I was going somewhere. Uh, organizational aspects, beliefs, points. Uh, so... Um, Let's see. Uh, well, it's uh, this isn't really on a very topic itself, but a thing that that came across that reminds me uh, the whole way the the spirit cooking and the general pedophilia thing has been uh, wrapped up in Pizzagate uh, shows to me the the very effective and interesting strategy of essentially the mainstream media to take um, something that is true, that is severely uh, disturbing, and then to mix it with some absurd conspiracy that's obviously false. And I conflate the two, uh, making essentially the first thing that is highly disturbing and true and verifiable uh, also ridiculously absurd. Yeah, it's a tactic that's really as old as time, but that the modern media apparatus has really, I think, very credibly and very seriously perfected. You know, they can make anything into a smear job. And many, many folks, speaking generally about the quote-unquote normie class, but even some compatriots here who are woke or beginning to be woke, won't mm -hmm. seem to understand or catch the differentiation in these sort of false conflations. And it's very important to always have a long memory, to always yes. remember what's been said about who, so that you can keep yes. very clear that X is still X, even when yes. the media is yes. trying to tell you that it's Y or Z, because you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. And, you know, these people all pal around together. They all associate with each other, and they all share the halls of power together. So exactly. while it's very hard to make a credible accusation against any given one of them, I think it is well within our rights and just generally a best practice to assume that they're all in it together until you can prove otherwise. Yes, yes, exactly. Um one of the things I'm thinking of is to what extent um, are these massive pedophilia networks like Jeffrey Epstein's and these satanic rituals and individuals linked with each other? Uh, are they two separate things that intersect because there's highly immoral highly powerful people at work here or uh, is one um, like like interlinked with the other I think that this is something that should be taken on a case-by-case -case basis I mm -hmm. also think that it is fair to say 
that many of them seem to be separate and distinct blackmail operations primarily, who seem to, more often than not, merely share a common clientele. And as such, I think you need to look at the perpetrators or providers and understand what their own goals are to the extent that we're even able to, as frequently mm-hmm. we are unable to, and sort of evaluate them based on that. Because it's very clear that Epstein and Maxwell, for instance, were using their network for the very express purpose of blackmail wealth accumulation while also mm-hmm. indulging their own tastes along the way. Yes. And as such, again, that would be another perfect example of a case where they don't seem to literally believe it at all, but it doesn't matter if you believe it as long as you're doing the work, at least from the devil's exactly. perspective. Yes. So I think that would be a great example of that. But then you pivot to something like, again, we'll just keep using the same examples because they're mm-hmm. useful and we go back to the finders instead, where it's highly ritualized, it's highly organized within itself, and they seem to, to have very specific rights associated with the acts, in which case it right. does seem then to be more of a quasi-religion, where there's more likely to have been more true believers and that they were doing it to some religious end. Though, that being said now, I also don't doubt that there wasn't a blackmail angle to it by some cynics or cynicists within that organization. though. But, you know, mm. one seems to have been more purely driven by the material needs and means to the end, and the other did, in fact, seem to be more, in a very corrupt sense of the word, spiritually oriented. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Um... Do you have any idea to what extent? Uh, actually, no. You know what? Let me save this question for later. Uh, because first, I want to know from you. Uh, because as an atheist, this kind of fascinates me. You uh, have the theory that uh, some uh, of these people are quite literally demonically possessed. Uh, that's That's correct, right? Yes, that is not a mischaracterization of my personal thought. All right, yeah, I wanted to get that uh, entirely sure, because it is um, a fairly radical notion, I would say. Um, So how, uh, first of all, how does this work? Like, how how does one uh, become demonically possessed? So, really, it's as simple as leaving the wrong doors open to the mansion of your heart and soul in a spiritual sense, right? You know, if you have too many doubts, or if you're the sort of person who likes to tamper with occult games and gets in over their head, you know, that's very literally direct pathways. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, even to your own spiritual detriment, if you're just a person who indulges in a quote-unquote wicked lifestyle, you know, it's it's important for that reason to live with virtue. 
because all of these things can lead to opportunities for a demon to start whispering in your ear. And I think mm -hmm. what a lot of people struggle with in our society is really the framing of these things because it seems mm -hmm. it does seem absurd to modern sensibilities like oh there's not some sort of horned ghost like being that's literally jumping into your body but it's sort of that slow infection and degradation of your soul and mind where mm -hmm. it's like oh there were there were no consequences to this why didn't god stop me or why is this evil allowed to happen right. okay it keeps happening and then it keeps happening yes and yes then all of a sudden there you are covered in goat's blood beating <laughs> on some hooker you kidnapped you yes. know and it's it's really that sort of insidiousness there's a yes. quote from a movie i want to reference here a really fantastic uh crime caper film called the usual suspects i don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen it but i'd recommend seeing it if I you have. haven't Yes. Okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. The greatest trick Fuck, the devil ever man. pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Ah, yes, I remember that one. Yes. Yes, and <laughs> I think that's a fan, that line is really a fantastic framing, yes. both in terms of the movie, because it was a great note to, for the film to end on, but also it's an extremely useful reference point for how our world operates. You know, yes. we're so convinced that this is such a foolish, antiquated claim that we aren't ready for it and we become unwilling to identify it when it seems to be happening to people in our very midst. So yes. really it's about protecting your mind and protecting your soul from mm -hmm. the insidious corruption that comes with living life in an immoral or sometimes simply immoral way. Yes. Uh, that is a uh, conceptualization that makes a lot more sense to me. Um, because I was having uh, a hard time with imagining some sort of uh, succubus occupying your mind, uh, essentially. Um, although, from the sound of it, I would like to uh, a huh. succubus to occupy my dick, but... Well, well. of course. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, cheap dick jokes aside, <laughs> uh, you know... Uh, actually, you're reminding me of a. Uh, uh, I don't have the exact line here, but uh, another bit from a movie. Um, you've seen Goodwill Hunting, right? Of course, yeah. Yes. So, uh, somewhere in the beginning in the movie, there's the main character played by Matt Damon, and he's working uh, at a construction site. Uh, and he's like in his early 20s, or maybe not even in his 20s yet. Um, and. Uh, this guy, uh, who's in like his 40s or something, tells him like, you got to get out of here uh, and do something with your life because you're a smart guy. And um, he says, well, why? You know, I, I like it here. Well, you know what happens? Uh, you get to work here uh, and you keep working. And one day you wake up, like you start when you're 20. One day you wake up and you're 40. And I think there's, it's, Similar in a sense because it's not uh, so much a, a consciously motivated uh, process, or at least not in all cases. Uh, or well, I, I mean, there's some of course very um, 
consciously motivated decisions there. Uh, but the the process of essentially becoming evil or becoming occupied by a demon, as you would conceptualize it, is not a a conscious process. It's more of a thing of not paying attention to whatever, to morality or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then essentially like live 20 years and one day you wake up and you're fucking evil. Yeah, that's exactly what this all comes back to. And you're hitting the nail right on the head when you say that. Because I'm sure we can find edge cases and extreme examples where it is quite literally an actual battle for the soul. But, you know, those are exceedingly rare. And you're right in that it is more a autopilot type process where you don't understand it happening in the background if you weren't prepared to understand Mm -hmm. that it could be happening in the background. And then all of a sudden, it's too late by the time you do actually realize it, if you ever do at all. Yes, yes. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So, uh, to me, uh, and I hope to my listeners as well, uh, this whole thing is pretty clear. Um, But I want to pick your mind about some other things. Because I think um, as a, a, well, not purely as a Christian, but as somebody who is religious, it is, uh, I won't say easy, but it's fairly obvious, I guess, how to um, uh, uh, prevent oneself from becoming uh, evil, from becoming possessed by demons, uh, which is to live your life according to scripture, essentially. Um, would that be uh, a correct estimate? Yes, certainly any believer such as myself or others you may encounter, whether, you know, in reality, you know, knowing a relative or knowing a friend or on social media, you know, it's, it's pretty clear when you speak to a person of faith that that's the method we use because it is the method we are told to use and it is the only one we are told will work reliably, which mm-hmm. is to say at all. You know, and mm-hmm. there are plenty of New Age grifters and <laughs> alternative spiritualism folks who will tell you, well, as long as you cleanse your soul and do these things and these rituals according to this, that, and the other process, you'll be fine. You'll be protected from the truly malevolent ones. That strikes me and most other people in my faith tradition as just yet another gateway to be opened through the grievous mistake of overconfidence in your own power to work without God's protection. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not is, sure if I yes. address the question. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yes, I'm, I'm thinking about how to formulate my next question because, uh, well, as I have addressed at this point multiple times uh, but I think it's, it's very relevant in this case uh, I'm an atheist so I don't uh, at least not in a direct sense have the the written word of God to follow um, 
yet I do not live my life in an immoral or amoral way, which, for the record, I am not um, accusing you of accusing me uh, of living my life in such a way, um, to get that squared away. Um, so uh, what would you say is the... Um, the most effective way for a non-believer to stay of this path of, of amorality, immorality to not become evil, essentially. I think that most people have a natural leg up in that most people aren't literal psychopaths. You know, as we discussed yes. earlier, that that's a very easy way to get caught in it by just not having the actual human consciousness born into you because there are people who are truly without it. Mm -hmm. So I think that just right there is a extremely good start. I think that for the non-believers out there, libertarianism properly understood is also an excellent ward from this sort of spiritual corruption in that mm -hmm. the very clear understanding and respecting of a person's both mental and physical autonomy will very often, which is to say never lead you to be the sort of person who would violate another person's rights so grievously as to mm -hmm. participate in this nonsense. Then, however, though, if you take that license to participate in these sort of acts or rituals merely because the quote-unquote victim consented to it and wanted to be a part of it, I would definitely caution against that because obviously mere consent is not a sufficient threshold to determine the morality of an act. No, and some people, no. Yeah, some people might consider that an edgy take. I don't know if that'll <laughs> get me in hot water on Liberty Twitter or not, but you know, if it does, oh, fuck them. <laughs> I'm sure you're no stranger to some controversy. Um. You know, less than a person might expect. People seem to be pretty good at tolerating my nonsense when I grow up. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, we would say geluk bij een ongeluk in Dutch, which would be uh, something like luck with an accident. Uh, <laughs> um, let me see. Yeah, I think... Uh, so my uh, I I agree with what you say but um, let me think of it uh, the way I look at it is um, especially without the uh, help or the, the guidance of scripture uh, as an atheist you are uh not entirely on your own, but you have to understand to what extent, essentially, you are on your own. Um, because there is no greater being to give you guidance, uh, and you cannot, therefore, um, take your morality from a scripture that uh, is or claims to be the word of such a greater being. So, I would say you would have to understand that uh, 
well, voluntary, mutually beneficial relationships uh, are the most, uh, how do I say this, the most... Well, they're the uh, most safe and moral way, way to conduct yourself. Yes, 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 uh, partly. Uh, but the most, uh, the most, most efficient, the most beneficial, both to... Uh, like greater society as well as to yourself um, way of uh, going about things and uh, yeah I would think just reading uh, a fucking bunch of philosophy and uh, a few self-help books here and there um, I'm thinking of uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits for example um, is quite useful and well furthermore i mean uh, as you say most normal quote unquote on people uh are are have already have a leg up because they uh they all have a a sense of morality that is more or less working um so yeah i don't have anything uh, to add this, do you have anything more, Paz? So I would add, in addition to the point you just made, and I'm always careful yes. when I say things like this, because very often they can get taken out of context, but I would say that the Holy Bible does have a lot of wisdom for people even who do not necessarily believe its message. And I mm -hmm. would say that while I try not to spend too much time directly heavily evangelizing that you or anyone else who isn't necessarily um, in favor of the message even or particularly receptive to it perhaps read some of it anyways like mm -hmm. the psalms or some of the uh, wisdom of solomon and mm -hmm. really take a firmer understanding from those because there are plenty of applicable life and self-help lessons to be found in the scriptures, even if you aren't necessarily ready to or interested in embracing Jesus Christ himself. You know, yes, it's, I would say that's a good it's, advice. It's quote-unquote lindy is the word people use for that sort of stuff. You know, it is ancient wisdom that stood the test of time for a very good mm -hmm. reason. So even if you were to choose to indulge it, for strictly uh, anthropod anthropological reasons, I think a lot of people can get a lot of value out of it, but they weren't necessarily aware that they could. Yes, yes, I uh, would agree with that entirely. I would say that um, at the very least, reading the Bible is a very good exercise um, in, uh, well, I mean, in just reading and in patience because it's a, a big fucking book, <laughs> uh, to put it lightly, and uh, there's there's some uh, very useful information in there, uh, without a doubt. Um, and uh, with that, uh, I would say pass, please give me all of your plugs and or any other remarks that you would like to make. Yeah, so 
I suppose I should start by saying thank you very much for having me on to talk about this topic. I know that it can be considered by some to be a little edgy and a little outlandish, but you know, I really believe from the depths of my heart that it's all real, that it's a real threat, and mm -hmm. that people should be aware of not just the forces they play with, but the forces that other people think they are playing with. As far as my plugs go, you can find me always and primarily on Twitter at DogmanRespector. Now check out my podcast, The Gaslight Hour, if you're somehow not a listener yet. Look out for my name on the other podcast circuits that our in-group runs in. If you want to support yeah. the work I'm doing, you can do so on Cash App at the Dogman Respector, or at Dogman Respector rather, or on PayPal at paypal.me forward slash Dogman Research. All right. Awesome. Um, oh, thank you for coming on. Uh, just to quick rundown of my uh, my own plugs you can uh, find me on twitter under uh, at bolsito and politics uh, where i mostly just shitpost and talk trash um, and uh, if you want to support my show uh, you can do that on patreon.com slash bolsito and politics i think link in the show notes and then lastly do I have any other plugs uh, yeah yeah just keep an eye out for me I appear on some podcasts uh, every now and then um, I, uh, I'm not really an expert in anything so I just talk shit so generally people don't uh, I'm, I'm really looking for someone to talk shit because they can do it quite well on their own um, but you know 